to the Nashville Story. I'm Stuart Deming. Joining me today in studio is Jeremy Abbott. Jeremy is the founder and curator of Abandoned Nashville, which is one of the best Instagram accounts in town. He's mostly known as an urban explorer, photographer, and professional musician who also resides here in Music City. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me here in studio. Uh, what is your Nashville story? Um, I moved here nine years ago to play music. I'm a drummer. And um, it's funny, I moved to Nashville to play jazz. <laughs> so did you play at like B.B. King's at all? Or? No. Okay. When, I got, when I got here, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I didn't know anybody. So I love to play jazz and like funk, hip hop, R&B, stuff like that. And quickly I found out this is not that kind of town. <laughs> so it was really discouraging. I didn't do a whole lot of research. What, where did you come from? Kentucky. Okay, so what part of Kentucky? This small town called Madisonville in western Kentucky. It's about an hour and a half north of Nashville. Okay, so you're an hour and a half north of Nashville. Mm -hmm. Did you come down here a lot to visit growing up? Uh, I came here like twice, I think. And I remember I had an experience when I was about 13. Um, I, my dad's a guitar player. So we went to Guitar Center, which was like Disneyland for me. Like the big deal. Oh, it's yeah. huge. Because, like, think about me. I'm in a small town. There's nothing like that. So you walk into a guitar center, and it's like you walked into a fairyland. And I remember I walked into Guitar Center at, like, 13, 12, 13, something like that. And Victor Wooten, I don't know if you're familiar with who, with who that guy is. He he was in Guitar Center, and it blew my mind. Like, at this point, like, Victor Wooten, is, he, he's one of the world's greatest funk, jazz, bass players. And played with a lot of my favorite drummers. Only in time. Nashville, right? I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, now it's funny. I, I live in Nashville. I'm like, of course that happened. But, um, and honestly, like when I was that age, I thought it was like this omen. Like, oh, I must, this must mean I need to like move to Nashville. Like I just ran into this guy, got his autograph, totally starstruck. And from then on, I was like, okay, when I, when I'm old enough, when I'm ready, I'm going to move to Nashville and I'm going to like do what that guy does. So you moved here with the intention of music. Yeah. And how has that been for you? Uh, it's been great. Nashville's been really good to me. I've changed and I've morphed a lot. Like, I feel like I've kept my identity, but I've really catered to, I've just kind of gotten realistic about music, if that makes any, any sense. Because I think chasing a, a music dream isn't very realistic, I guess, uh, in societal standards. But I think that... um. When I moved here, I had the intentions, like I mentioned, to play jazz. And then I realized, oh, well, this isn't that kind of town. Plus, uh, the the chances of making money doing that is, is really slim. And um, so I kind of expanded my mind a little bit. I started to play pop music, started to play um, even country music, a lot of rock music. Um, started doing Broadway gigs, downtown stuff, uh, you got burnt out on that for a while, after a while, and um, started doing the artist thing. Started playing with a bunch of artists, doing a lot of touring, stuff like that. It's, yeah, that's what I did. So what do you do for the music industry today since the pandemic happened? Oh, man. So uh, what a lot of people are doing, I'm adjusting. Like, I'm doing the the only thing I know how is, which is uh, turn into social media turn into remote sessions, doing a lot of recording out of my house. I have a recording studio and have been just busy doing that, which is really cool. Like I've always wanted to do that, but I feel like I was always too busy to do it and to honest, like honestly to care about it. And, um, and since COVID I have been off the road and have a lot of time to like really reapproach music and, it's it's amazing to like be in your pajamas or your underwear and walk downstairs and record a song for somebody and get paid. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the dream. <laughs> it's so cool, man. <laughs> kind of like the musician's dream. <laughs> yeah, uh, I never realized how how much uh, I'm. Uh, I don't want to say I don't. I was kind of burnt out on touring, and I don't think I really realized the extent of that until COVID hit, and then I. You know, I think a lot of people when COVID hit, they all 
they sat with themselves and they realized, oh man, I'm not happy in this area of my life. Oh, I could do better in this other area of my life. Like it's been like this massive like self-examination and realizing that like, man, my approach has been so unhealthy when it comes to playing music. And um, so I think this whole COVID thing has been like this big like uh, revamping of my approach. And so many people have the same same story, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. You also have one of the, I'd say probably one of the best Instagram accounts in Nashville. Oh, man. And <laughs> I don't know makes, about that. What, what makes your Instagram account so unique is you've built this following and all based on abandoned buildings. So what is your Instagram handle and how did you get that started? Okay, so I've always explored abandoned buildings. I think a lot of it has to do with just growing up in Kentucky and being so bored. Oh, I understand. So I came from a small town in New York. Oh, okay. Very small town in New York. And there was a mansion and two Methodist churches that were part of the underground uh, railroad system. And so they had tunnels uh, that went from this mansion to these two Methodist churches. No way. Dude, and I would explore these tunnels when I was younger. And it was amazing. They've concreted them all now. And this is way before Urbex was cool. Yeah, this was this was before like, oh yeah, going into abandoned buildings and exploring was cool. This is yeah. like when I was like nine or ten. <laughs> yeah. And like we would play games of hide and seek in this Methodist church and then go into these like secret tunnels and people would have no idea where we were for hours. And we would yeah. play like very extensive games of hide and seek because yeah. there's nothing else to do. Yeah. It's like you get to be a Goonie. It and, was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think that's like the best description of what you do. It's well, being like a goonie. It's being a goonie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's, it's been really cool. I've, I've, I started out exploring like these little tiny little small houses and, and these old abandoned coal mines that were behind my house. And, uh, cause we lived out in the middle of nowhere, like woods surrounding our house. But if you walked about 45 minutes back into the woods, you're, you're in the middle of an abandoned coal mine. So that's what I would do as a kid. Uh, weird, weird enough. <laughs> uh, but, and, and after a while you just, you kind of get bored of that and you're like, all right, I want the next big thing. So would you go into that coal mine by yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's see, okay. So that's another thing that's kind of peculiar, um, about abandoned Nashville is that it's all one person. Usually, uh, people explore with other people, but I actually prefer exploring alone. <laughs> what's the, what's the reason behind exploring alone? Uh, honestly, I get, I know, I don't know how to say this without sounding, uh, like a dick, but I think I get to control the situation. And like, for instance, if I hear a noise, I know that it was either me or like someone else that I don't know about this there. Or Sasquatch. Or a Sasquatch yeah. or, you know, or, you know, a zombie or something like that. But I don't know. I, I get to just have free reign. Like, uh, it's like traveling with a buddy. You know what I mean? It's like you have to flip a coin or like, or do we go this way or do we go that way? One of the, one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my entire life is I was going to uh, Barcelona, Spain, and I decided to go with a group of nine people. By the end of the first hour of being in Barcelona... I said, I'm not doing this. And I didn't hang out with them at all. I got into an argument about finding the hostel uh, with one with one guy. And he's just like, I think I know where I'm going. I know everything. And I'm like, no, you don't. You didn't look at, like, I memorized the map. <laughs> and I got there. Uh, so I ended up, like, we got to Barcelona. We got off the train station uh, into downtown Barcelona. And I ended up just walking straight to the hostel. I left the group, walked to the hostel. And I was the only one who memorized and knew the map. And I was there in like 10 minutes. It took them six hours to find this hostel. Um, and it's just, that was the one of the worst decisions I've ever made is traveling with a group of size. I understand. Yeah. So that's exactly, that's a, that's, that describes exploring abandoned buildings perfectly with a group of people. Like I'm, I'm telling you, man, like if you have a group above three people, I've, I've never had a good experience doing it. Um, either two people are in a loud conversation and like, this is the kind of place that you don't, don't want to make noise. Like you're, you're there illegally. You're trying not to get caught. You're trying not to be heard, not to be seen. The whole, the whole idea is to sneak in. And when you have a group of people, it's just like, I feel like it, 
I get frustrated with people. I'm like, why do you have a white shirt on? <laughs> like, why did you do that? You know what I mean? Like I get to, so going back to the whole reason, I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like I get to control the whole situation. Like I get to, like you said, I get to call the shots of like what's going on. If I leave, if someone comes, walks in the door, security shows up, I get to run and I get to hop a fence and I don't have to worry about someone behind me, you know, like I don't have to worry about guiding someone out of that building. Or if they trip and fall on a a hole or, yeah, and they break their leg, like it's a whole different situation. Right, right. So, and yeah, and that's the thing, like a lot of people, like I constantly get people hitting me up asking if they can go with me and I, I hate it, man, like. I can't do it. Like, I can't take them. First First off, I feel like I would be responsible for them. Every time I've taken someone, I'm just like, I feel like I'm, like, guarding them or, like, I'm, like, a guardian for them. I, I Like, I feel like I have to protect them. You know what I mean? And And it takes away from the experience that I get to have. You know, I'm there to explore too. I want to have fun. I want to like, I want to see things I've never seen before. And, and the whole time I'm there, I'm, I'm thinking about them and I'm like worried about them. Or if they step on something and they make a loud noise, I'm like, ah, God, don't, don't do that. You know what I mean? So what the, when did this Instagram account start? Like when did the concept and idea start? Okay. So when I moved to Nashville in 2012, I moved here obviously for music, but uh, the hobby was exploring abandoned buildings. It always has been. And um, when I moved here, I did some research and I saw, I found out that uh, there's an abandoned prison in Nashville. And when I, uh, when it's I, called the uh, Tennessee State Penitentiary. Yeah, 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 Tennessee State Penitentiary. And most people don't know it's actually this thing that exists. It's this glorious prison that was built in the late 1800s and uh, all made out of Tennessee limestone. And the movie The Green Mile was filmed there. It has a lot of deep history. And then in, uh, I think, was it like the 1960s or something? It was overcrowded. Yep. It had like 300% more people than it can hold. It got, yep. it got crazy there for a while. Yeah, the the cells are designed for two people, and some of them had up to six people. And there's actually a couple of photos of the cells on my Instagram, and they're like closets. Oh, they're super small. And they're, like, like, they're the size of the table holding this little, right. like, my road I cast. can't imagine how six people were fitting inside each of these cells and that's what it was. And eventually they had to build another prison because the living conditions were so bad. All these riots, everything were happening. Oh, the riots, the, the story of the riots of like in 1918 or so, like right around the war, the riots where I think it was like 45 inmates escaped because of these riots. Yeah. They, they got really bad and like, (laughs) Um, I think one of the riots, I can't remember which riot that happened at this prison, but there were seven or eight correctional officers killed in that riot. Like, it got really bad. Yeah, there was, I don't know if this is the same riot, but there was one riot where uh, prisoners built a bomb and they blasted out part of the wall, part of the prison wall. And when you explore this place, you can see a spot in the wall where that was. It's like this, uh, the, the limestone's a different color. And you can see where it had been blasted out at. Like, and this is like a hundred years ago when this happened. That's crazy. And it, the, the craziest thing is this wasn't even the prison used for the Civil War. There was a prison in downtown Nashville on Church Street that was used as the uh, prisoner of war prison in mm-hmm. downtown Nashville for the, the Civil War. And so this prison was built in the late 1800s. I think it was like 1884 is fully like established. Uh, it was late. Um, but there... They built this prison because of the overcrowding of the downtown prison, and there was a fire at the downtown prison at some point. Uh, just super interesting, fascinating stories. So you found this. Uh, did you find it pretty immediately when you moved here nine years ago? Oh, yeah. Or- <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't wait. I didn't, I, when I got here, I was like, okay, what's in Nashville? What can I explore? I'm in a whole new place. Did you just find it from a book? Because the online resources at that point may Man, have not had that covered. I don't remember. Or did you see it in the movie Green Mile? No, I do. I don't remember. I, it had to have been the internet. It had to have been, or maybe I drove past it one time and was like, oh my God, what is this abandoned castle that's in Nashville? Maybe that's what it was. But I remember I explored it and, uh, back then it was pretty easy to get inside of, 
Like it well, wasn't. Uh, it was. It was transitioning to. I don't think nine years ago it was fully the police training headquarters that they do for like special op police and special military. Yeah, I think it was just becoming that like training operation center for that. Yeah, I think they were only using part of the facility for training because when I first went there in 2012, I found only one building with like evidence that police have been training in it. There were like targets and there were like simulations all set up. And it was one of the like warehouses off off of the prison. Years later, I go back and now the entire prison has these targets and like these uh, these blank shells. Oh, yeah. Laying it's, around everywhere. it's fenced off all over now. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's locked down. Talk about your first experience going into the Tennessee State Prison. So um, I had no idea what. Uh, to expect because back then there weren't many Google images of it. You know, um, there was all these outside, you know, images of the, of the prison, but finding inside photos was impossible. So when I walked in, um, uh, well, I can't tell you how I approached it, but, um, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. that detail away. But when I walked in, uh, I first found a hospital because there's a, there's two prison hospitals on site. And there's still machinery, like old X-ray machines. Yeah, because I think there was a, at one point there was a men's wing and a woman's wing of mm-hmm. this prison, and there are two separate hospitals for that reason. Yep, yep. So I found the hospital, and even the hospitals look like a prison. There's bars everywhere. There's like chains across the doors, and like it's all steel reinforced. And like there's actually cells inside the um, inside the hospitals. So. I thought that that was the prison. <laughs> and then I kept exploring further and further into the property and realized that that, that wasn't even, you know, 5% of the property. It's it's massive. And, um, man, how did I describe my first experience? I, it was just mind-blowing. Like, it was, it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen in my life. And I was lucky enough to even get inside of death row, not knowing that it was death row. It was like this small building. It looks like a shack. And this, this is before you had camera equipment and everything. Yeah, yeah. This is. I've always been an explorer way before I yeah, was yeah. ever a photographer, and I actually got into photography through exploring. But yeah, so, but I did have my iPhone, and I was taking a ton of photos when I was on this exploration. And I, I walk into the uh, death row building, not knowing it was death row, of course. And I walk down one of the hallways and I walk into a room. And suddenly it dawns on me that I am in an execution room. Was it just like this, just this chair? No, no, the chair had been taken out. Okay. Um, but it was obvious that it was an ex. So there was a platform where a chair used to be. And there was these uh, steel bolts that were... Uh, coming out of the the concrete floor where they would probably they probably bolted the chair to it and the uh, the switch room is right to the right of it and um, with all the electrical boxes and stuff and um, there's a hood there's this is the dead giveaway there's an exhaust hood above where the chair used to be with a fan and where basically the smoking bodies would be ventilated out of the building what was the what was the feeling that you had when you came to the realization that you were in an execution room? Uh, back then, I used to get really creeped out, really spooked, um, and that's kind of what happened. I, I I walked in, and all of a sudden, this heavy realization hit me. And I remember, um, and I was actually with a friend, um, my best, my childhood best friend, and we've always like explored um, stuff together, and. We both realized, and I remember I looked at Mike, and he looked at me, and he was like, do you know what this is? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I I see it. And I remember him and I both just sat down on the floor, and we it went from, like, fun, laughter, like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Look at this dope cell or whatever. It went from that to just, like, just just dead silence. And I mean, it felt like we were in a, you know, a funeral home or or some kind of sacred place, you know. And uh, but it was really spooky. It was a really heavy room knowing that, you know, we knew that people had been executed there because we did a little bit of research. So we knew that people had been executed in that room, but we didn't know it was like 121 
or 25. I think it was 125. Um, but yeah, it was, it was heavy, you know? Um, yeah, I've, I've had that feeling, uh, a couple times. One was I was in a concentration camp, um, in Austria and that was, that was a very heavy feeling cause you walk into a room and it's a gas chamber and you're like, Oh, well, hundreds of thousands of people wow. died here. Yeah. And then uh, another time I had that feeling was inside of the uh, Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and you walk through a train that would transport Jewish men and women to concentration camps. And that, so I know that feeling very well. Yeah. Yeah. And like just kind of thinking about what they were thinking about and just, just trying to imagine, you know, what it must have been like in their shoes, as cheesy as it sounds, like what it must have been like in their shoes to like sit and wait, knowing that they're going, this is the last train ride that they're taking, or the, this is the last cell they're ever going to be in. You know, this is the last hour of their life. You know, yeah, it's, it's heavy. So you uh, went out of death row, and then how many times have you been to this prison, if you don't mind me asking? Between, uh, probably about between 10 to 15 times. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get into this prison for years. It's um, it's hard. It's, it's it's very difficult, <laughs> and it's increasingly hard every year. Yeah. And I thought that uh, after the tornado hit it, that I was like, "Oh, here's my chance. I get to go back." I haven't been like a year. I'll go back, and this time I'll just be able to walk right in. Obviously, didn't take that approach, yeah. but I had that in my head. I always, I'm always overly cautious, and, and you, you need to be. Yeah, and very paranoid, and I think that's knock on wood, why I haven't gotten arrested yet. Um, uh, and when I went, it was no joke. But you have a you have a story of you getting caught at the Tennessee State Prison, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, well, first, uh, to answer your first question, sorry, I keep, I keep jumping around. To answer your first question, how did the band in Nashville start? I went to the prison, and when I got home, I was so excited and this is back in 2012 or 13, I was so excited about my adventure that I had just went on and I posted it to my personal account, Jeremy Abbott. And and every day I just wake up and keep posting more and more photos. And I was like, well, dang it, man. Like I want to promote myself doing music. Like I don't want to just like have these two conflicting, you know, um, contents happening on a page. So I'll just start this whole other page and I'll call it Abandoned Nashville if that name isn't already taken and luckily it wasn't. I was posting these prison photos every other day. And dude, literally within, and this is how social media was back in the day. Literally within a month, I had like 5,000 followers. Oh yeah. Cause everyone was like, Hey man, you have, have you checked out this guy who went into this prison? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Well now with Urbex and basically with all social media, it's extremely difficult to like just start a page and, and just have a built in following after a month. It, now it takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of strategy. And I knew nothing about social media at the time. And I got really lucky because I was, no one else was doing it at the time in Nashville. I've, I've noticed that you have a, a lot of other photos on your Instagram accounts that are from other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why do you keep staying with the name Abandoned Nashville? Uh, because... <laughs> Because it's a good name. <laughs> I mean, it's really catchy. Um, because I'm based out of Nashville. Like, this is where I live. Most of the locations that I post are in Nashville. Um, but I'm I'm based out of, but not limited to. You know what I mean? So, and that's basically the, the reason. I've, I've thought so many times over the years about changing the name. Like, I've come so close so many times. But it's just such a good name, man. <laughs> yeah, and that's your your followers. They're like, what happened to Abandoned Nashville? Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. And that's another thing. I want it to be not about me. Like, if you look at my photos, I'm not in any of the photos. I don't want it to be about me. So I don't even know why I would call it. Like, I wouldn't call it Jeremy Abbott Photography or something lame like that. You know what I mean? I... I want it to be about the abandoned buildings. I want it to be about the history, the 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 beauty and uh, decaying, you know, history, and and I think abandoned Nashville really represents that well. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to that question of you got caught at the Tennessee State Penitentiary. Oof. Okay. So um, last year I went after the tornado, and um, I wanted to go and assess the damage and. 
like this place is one of the most it's it's probably my top favorite abandoned building I've ever been in my life or anywhere. And I think that's because it's so sentimental to me. It was the first big exploration I've ever been on. Obviously, there's like cooler locations with cooler stuff, but there's something special about this place. Also, it's in my hometown. So I had to go see it. I had to go check in on it. And um, that's actually one of the first places I drove by when I saw some of the tornado damage. I didn't go to it, but I drove by it just to see it in person. Yeah. I mean, you and I both share this love for this place. And, um, and yeah, so when I went, man, um, snuck in was really scary. When I got there, I didn't realize how tight the security was going to be. Um, and it was actually tighter than I'd ever seen it before. Which makes sense because everyone's like, oh, I'm just going to go right. rob and loot and whatever because of all the damage. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think everyone had the same mentality. And I think the security was on it. And, and dude, when I got there, it was it was tough. There was so there's a big hill right next to the prison. If you're facing the prison, there's a hill up to the to left. And it overlooks the prison yard if you're on top of that hill. So when I went, there was a security guard. No, no, sorry. Let me correct that. There was a deputy sheriff sitting on top of that hill. Which makes sense. Not only sitting yep. on top of the hill, he but he was Yeah. Yep. Dude, how'd you know? Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not only was he on top of that hill, but he was in a green uh uh, you know, service vehicle and he had binoculars sitting out. Leaning up against the hood. It's probably they also, um, if you think about it, John C. Toon mm-hmm. was also just devastated. And they lost ninety six over $96 million of just damage to the airports, not including personal damage of airplanes and everything else. So they probably had a huge influx of security in that area, ultimately for John C. Toon and the prison. But also, yeah, so the, the new prison is right next to John C. Toon. So if they're getting an influx of people committing crimes or looting or whatever next to that prison, they're going to up security by like tenfold. And I, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it was a big, it's just a, it was like a, it's a very unfortunate place for that, uh, airport to be. Um, but, but yeah, man, when I got there, uh, there was a, a deputy sheriff on the Hill and I didn't see him after until after I had already, um, walked into the prison yard and how he didn't see me. I have no idea. Like, all of a sudden, I just looked up to my right as I'm walking into the prison yard, or, well, running into the prison yard, and I see a deputy sheriff up on top of the hill with binoculars and seemingly looking right at me, and I just drop, and I lay on my stomach in the weeds, in the bushes, um, and, like, kind of behind some rubble of the prison wall, and... And I just lay there and I'm freaking out because I'm expecting at any point uh, there's going to be like a swarm of cops showing is this, up. Is this like one of your closest run-ins with? At the prison, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, one of my closest run-ins, period. And um, I'm just expecting them to show up. And I was like, well, if I get up and run the other way, he's going to, if it, by some chance he didn't see me, he will definitely see me when I get up and run the other way. And I remember I looked at the clock and it was like 4.43. And I was like, maybe he didn't see me. And maybe at 5 o'clock, his shift changes. And daylight savings. Uh, so it gets darker an hour uh, earlier, too. So maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, maybe all this luck, like maybe all these chances are all going to align and it's going to work out in my favor. And dude, sure enough, Five o'clock on the dot, he drives away. And it buys me enough time, like a couple of minutes, to get inside the prison cells. And I find a hole to look out. And as I get inside the prison cells, the shift changes. And another guy comes and takes his place. And I was like, okay, note to self. Like, this is this is a new thing that's happening at the prison. <laughs> if I ever come back, that's what's happening here. So, and then I, of course, when you're inside, I'm, it's, I'm not worried at all. Like I'm inside, no one can, they can't see through the walls. So, 
I got to make videos. I got to take all this, do all this content, got to explore, got to see all even new parts of the prison I hadn't seen before. Cause now doors are unlocked that used to not be unlocked. And I got to, it felt like I was exploring the place for the first time all over again. Is that when you made the um, death row video for your YouTube channel? Yep. Okay. That's correct. And I didn't release that until almost a year later. Yeah. yeah. And I have, there's a lot of stuff like that. I have, I just have footage of and I'm hanging on to, um, and several places like that in Tennessee that are owned by the government. And I'm just waiting for the chance to do it. All right. The question that's been on my mind is, have you been to that abandoned nuclear, nuclear site that's towards Cookville? Yeah. How was that experience? I was actually, dude, I was actually there a week and a half ago. Was it amazing? Oh yeah. It's, it looks like star Wars. <laughs> like it looks like star Wars abandoned. Like <laughs> there's like moss and vines and trees growing out of concrete. And, um, oh dude, it's, it's insane. It, it's so larger than life. Um, and the photos don't do the justice. Like there's a, there's a, probably one of the most popular photos of the place other than the, the nuclear cooling tower itself is this hallway that they built this hallway, um, to install all these like nuclear reactors or whatever. Um, these, uh, not turbines, but yeah, are reactors. And, but the reactors were never installed, so there's just this massive hallway, and it's all green mossed from the hallway's completely concrete, ceiling, walls, floor, and um, there's these massive steel beams running through it. Like I actually, there's some photos on my Instagram page you can check you can check out. But this hallway is probably the the ceiling. It's probably like a hundred feet up from the floor to ceiling, and then wall to wall another hundred feet. But the photos make it look like it's like 20 by 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't do the justice. And that's honestly one of the most difficult things about shooting abandoned buildings like that is like just trying to trying to get the perspective, like trying to really convey like the 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 magnificence of this, you know, of these places. And I, I yeah. You need like, to get like a, a seven millimeter uh, lens that, <laughs> yeah. has, that has no distortion and maybe like a, a little action figure or, or something <laughs> or like a cardboard cutout just so like people can see the yeah. depth and size Dude, of this. You know, it's funny you say, uh, so I bought a Laowa 12 millimeter lens recently with no distortion. Is it fantastic? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I think I shot on that lens. Uh, I, I just shot this skyline once and it was a fantastic shot. Yeah, man. What a great lens, a manual lens. And I didn't know if I was going to like manual cause I've always shot, you know, autofocus, but I like the feel of me. It's kind of like, you know, recording, like you like analog more than I shoot, plug I, I shoot everything in manual. So when I'm doing photography, I do strictly everything in manual. Yeah. I, I was forced to my first camera. Uh, I had it for like six months and every auto feature like broke and I had to do it manual. And so I'm like, well, I might as well just stay with manual. And I, I prefer shooting that way in all honesty. Um, it's harder it, and it builds more skill set. But with what you're doing, I think you need manual focus. 100%. That's always been the problem with an autofocus lens and abandoned buildings. Because think about it. These places aren't lit. They're dark. And in order for your camera to focus, it needs light it needs to like be able to focus on an object. And a lot of times it's so dark in there, man. Like when you're doing long exposures, good luck getting your lens to, uh, to, to focus. So now let, let's just walk through, you, you get to one of these locations and you get past security and whatever you do to get to these locations. So what type of gear are you bringing with you? Also, are you using a tripod for most of your shots? Yeah, I'm using a tripod for most of my shots. Um, uh, I have a low pro pro tactic backpack. I don't know if you're familiar with those. I highly recommend those backpacks to anyone who's doing any type of photography. But anyway, I have one of those. I have a hydration pack. Um, I have a uh, respirator for like lead mold, uh, asbestos. Did you use that a lot for COVID like going to a grocery store? No, <laughs> no, I used, I used a regular, uh, uh, mask. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what else do I have? Uh, multi-tool, 
Um, you also have a GoPro, right? That, do you attach that to... So I have a GoPro attached to my shoulder. Okay. So I have a GoPro little shoulder mount. And um, I have... I always bring snacks because you never know how long it's going to be. Like if you're in there for like seven hours, your blood your blood sugar is getting low. You're getting a didn't, headache. Didn't you have an experience recently? I saw. I think I saw this on your Instagram stories. Uh, you were at a location somewhere, and security guards were driving up and down the perimeter, and you had to stay in the woods for like five or six hours. Yep. Uh, talk about that experience. So that was. Well, I can't say where was that. Um, it was somewhere. Yeah, it was, really a, cool. it was it was a place. Yeah, and, um, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that happened. So, um, getting there is extremely difficult. Like one of the most because diffi- it's in the mountains, right? Yes. Yeah, and you're you're like the hike is unbelievable. <laughs> like in the urban exploration community, like it's like no- notorious for being that place that it's like hell to get to. So when I get there, how long of a hike is it? Like two or three it's miles? About, yeah, you're in the mountains. You're you're, oh, man. So I I hiked up this thing. Took me. It's about a two and a half, two and a half hour hike up a mountain. So probably two miles, but the elevation and everything. It's yeah. ridiculous, and you get so high up in the air, like the air, the elevate. Uh, what what happens? The altitude, the air gets thin, or the, something. The air, like get, the air gets thin the higher you go up, and yeah. so your lungs are having a more difficult time expanding to get oxygen inside of them. Yeah, and that's exactly what was happening. And you are, I was just so exhausted by the time I got to the top of this thing. Finally, I get to the top. Did you get there? Did you do like a sunrise type situation? You got there yep. and the sunrise started yep. hiking up. So yeah. I pre-dawned it. So I got there probably around maybe uh, four o'clock in the morning. It was dark, hiked up. By the time I got halfway up, it, the sun was coming up and it was amazing. I, I got all these like sunrise shots or whatever coming over the mountains. It was really cool. And then the last half of the hike is when it just... It gets so brutal because the the mountain gets steeper and steeper as you go up, and there were some points where like you're literally grabbing onto branches. Oh, to so keep, you're like you're almost at rock climbing level. Yeah, to get up, you're there. literally grabbing onto branches to keep from like sliding back. Wow. And um, I just didn't, man. I didn't. I didn't know it was going to be that hard. And luckily, I'd prepared for it. I brought plenty of you know snacks, plenty of water. I assume and, you're um, wearing gloves the entire time mm-hmm, too. Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm also very camouflaged because at the very, at the bottom of the mountain, there's a deputy sheriff. It's notorious spot for like a deputy sheriff who sits at the bottom of the mountain and looks up the mountain with binoculars to make sure you're not climbing up to go to that location. And that's exactly what happened when I went, um, daylight hit. I looked down at the bottom of the mountain and sure enough, there's a white SUV sheriff right at the bottom of the mountain. So I had to go off the trail and like climb up the mountain in the woods and like these are thick woods um lots of sticker bushes but uh yeah i finally got to the top and um uh took a little break went inside the abandoned location and as soon as i get inside i realized that there are security there's there's three security trucks in the in the property and, um, and it's a relatively large property. It's a relatively large property, but also I did quite a bit of research before I went, and there's the security that that guards this place has dogs, and so that makes it a whole different challenge. It's a whole other different story. So, um, well, there's surveillance signs everywhere, like uh, don't don't trespass. There's surveillance. This uh, property is under surveillance. Whatever. But I the, always, last time, the last time that happened to me, sorry to interrupt you, uh, I, was at, I was near a military base, and I had no idea. <laughs> uh, and, it, like, Humvees came out, and they're like, hey, you need to leave right now. <laughs> it's, Oof. Yeah, upstate New York, there's a lot of, like, nuclear sites uh, with bombs just inside of the hills, and you have no idea. What? Yeah, literally, there's one uh, in Tioga County in New York. There's a nuclear site. And it's you think it's just this like abandoned hill for farmers and stuff for like like old crops and everything. But if you turn on this dirt road and you go up it for a second, Humvees will come after you. All of a sudden, you're like yeah, on you're, restricted. You're on restricted government property. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's happened to me once or twice. But it's those surveillance signs. I, I I trust those when I see those. I'm like, oh, I need to leave. Well, I was just about to say, whenever I see a surveillance sign, I'm like, ah, 
I always disregard them because they're like deterrents. Obviously not for a nuclear site. Like I would trust those. <laughs> but for the most part, for abandoned buildings, people aren't going to pay. If they can't afford to keep the building going, if, if it's abandoned, they can't it's probably, afford footage, probably yeah. because, yeah, probably because someone ran out of money. And so they're not going to pay a security team to sit and watch TV plus another security team to be out on the property, physically on the property. Like this is just a lot of money you're sinking in that place. Plus you have to pay, pay insurance. And, and, like, and most of those cameras are all fake. Yeah. Yeah. So many. Yeah. So, yeah. And usually when I get to the property, I'll fly my drone into the property. I'll be on the outside and I'll fly my drone in and I'll figure out where all the cameras are and if they're on or if they're real cameras and I'll fly my drone. It's like reconnaissance basically. Have you, uh, this is probably, I don't know if this is crossing a line, but do you have those glasses, uh, that blind cameras so they can't see your face? Uh, so there's these glasses and you can make them yourself, especially like at nighttime. Uh, there's these glasses and they have led lights around the entire glasses and you put it on. And so the camera can't recognize your face at all. So it's just like a glow. It's amazing. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, so I think you have to make them yourself. I don't know if they sell those. Uh, but I saw it on a TikTok, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Uh, (laughs) and cause they did it on the TV show, I guess it's called McGaver. And it works with cameras. So, well, that would be a really good tool to have if you're going into an abandoned power plant. Yes. Or, you know, a semi active power plant. Because yeah. those cameras are always on. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't play around in power plants. But uh, yeah, I get there and I realize that I'm completely, pff, I'm hanging out with all these security guards. <laughs> and so, I was like, well, I'll just wait it out. This has happened a lot of times before. I'll just get there and there's security there. And usually they show up, they do a round, they leave. But these guys weren't. They were there all day. And so um, I waited out in the woods for like five hours. And because I'm not climbing back down the mountain, dude. (laughs) And if if I went up this mountain, I'm going to explore this place like hell or high water. And that's exactly what happened. I basically camped out in the woods for like five or six hours. Uh, went, ate all my snacks <laughs> and just like played on my phone. Finally, they left and I got to explore it. And you've definitely have seen videos from this place on my page. Oh, dude, the, uh, the one drone video that you did of this place. And I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking about what this looks like. You need to go over to abandoned Nashville Instagram right now to find this. <laughs> uh, but the one fo- uh, drone video of you flying through that thing, man, it's incredible. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, I was scared to get that shot too. Yeah. Also, if your drone, if your drone <laughs> hits something, I know I didn't want to crash my drone. <laughs> They're not cheap. No. And uh, yeah, I love. I thought your shots of this place were fantastic. It's Thanks, super man. unique. And I'm like, I really want to become a member of your Patreon page <laughs> so, so I can see more of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it. This place is so unique, man. That. I had to go back twice. I had to go back again. So when I left, I climbed back down the mountain. I did this exploration. Did you, did you do the same trail that you came up? Yeah. This okay. time the cop wasn't there and I was keeping an eye on the yeah, parking yeah. lot. This the Going back down isn't that bad because I – well, if the cops isn't at the bottom of the hill, it's not bad because you can take the trail and, like, it's so much easier. It's still so steep that you're slipping on mud and you're constantly falling on your butt. But um, it's way better than <laughs> climbing this thing. But um, I get back down, I'm exhausted, and I get in my car, and I'm just like... Did you park your car like 10 miles away? Yeah, I always do. So I will say, um, for those of you, I don't give too many tips away with urban exploration, but if you are ever thinking about getting into this, uh, the number one way that you get caught is where you park your car. Yep. And so if you... So in this instance, I parked my car... Even at the bottom of the hill, I parked it far away. And so when I finally get back into my car, I'm just a thousand yards stare. I'm exhausted. And uh, and then I get on Google because I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder what other photographers took of this place. Because I usually don't like to see images of what photographers take of uh, locations before I go. Because I feel it like it kind of... It ruins it for you. It ruins it, yeah. yeah. And you feel yourself trying to get those same shots. And you're like, I don't know, man. Like it's It's like cheating. So when I get in my car, that's when I look up all these images and I realize that I missed a whole other half of this location that, that I had no idea existed. So, uh, was it just on the other side of the mountain, it was on the other side of the mountain. So okay. I had to, 
like four days later, I like recovered, went back and got. Did you run into the same situation with the nope. sheriff and the? the oh no! The second time was a. It's probably because somebody else was up there. Yep. Like the day or two before. Well, that's the thing about this location. It's like so. There's a term in urban exploration. It's called blown up. Like when a location gets blown up, and that's exactly what's happening with this place. Like too many people know about it. TikTok has ruined so many locations in urban exploration. And I think this is one of the victims of that, this location is. And uh, I think you're totally right. I think that someone was already out there and they probably were heightened. They maybe not, maybe assumed that someone else was with them. I don't know. But yeah, it was crazy. When I went back, um, I was expecting the worst and I was prepared. And uh, I just walked right up. Well, suffered right up. (laughs) And then uh, I got to the top and it it was free reign. So, which is cool because the first time I went, the conditions were crazy. It's on the top of the mountain. And it was raining, right? Well, no, it was snowing the first time I went. Which makes it even more dramatic. Yeah, and there was fog, like a thick fog where you couldn't see like 30 feet in front of you. That's incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. And so, like, I got zombies. No, (laughs) no. So that's the thing. I don't get, uh, I don't get creeped out anymore whatsoever. I think after a while, you just like. You realize that those noises you're hearing are... Most likely animals. Most likely animals. They're like just the sound of woods yeah. or like buildings that are abandoned. They're just noisy. Yeah. Like... Because they're old. Yeah. They're the old and temperatures constantly fluctuating. Like this is a climate controlled house and it basically keeps the same temperature year round. Yeah. And these buildings change with the wind. <laughs> like, so they creak and they, like, make loud pops. Whenever I hear these these noises, it, now it's just, like, background. But, um, but yeah, when I went, um, it wasn't, it was just ominous. It was really peaceful um, with the fog and stuff like that. Um, I don't, honestly, my biggest concern was bears. Yeah, and that's a that's a big concern right now yeah. because the bear population is up dramatically in the last hundred years. Oh, really? Yeah, in the I, in the area that you were at, <laughs> I yes. did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also I had food on me, so I was like, I like double sealed it in like two Ziploc bags, and like was just trying to be extra cautious um, about you know bears smelling me. But uh, also, this location specifically is notorious for bear sightings with urban explorers and they have no idea what to do they're like oh my gosh it's a bear yeah exactly (laughs) there's a girl who wrote me after she saw one of my photos she's like oh my god i was sitting on the top of this ledge about where you took that photo and my buddy and i were sharing a beer and to celebrate getting into the top of the mountain and next thing you know about 20 feet below our feet like a pack of bears like a, a mama bear with like cubs walked below us and that's the most dangerous type of bear oh yeah yeah Yeah. she's like we i was like well what'd you do she was like well we just sat there there's nothing you can do you just have to submit to the situation like you can't get up and run like you just have to kind of hope for the best um that's scary and she told me that after i went luckily (laughs) but uh but i was already aware that there was there was a bear problem at this place so yeah honestly that was my biggest concern with this place have you been into any like a abandoned uh, whiskey barrel houses at all? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, because I think that would be super cool and unique. Like going into an abandoned like, uh, like distillery, Jack da- Daniel's barrel house, and those things are protected. Those things are heavily protected. Why? Because of the historical significance. Because of the whiskey. Because it's a tax revenue. So I don't know if the abandoned portions of it, but like full-blown um, whiskey barrel houses are protected because of the amount of whiskey and the amount of federal government money that's sitting in there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I Yeah. I I don't know of any any whiskey, any distilleries or, or any kind of like nothing like that. I'm trying to think of anything that's like similar to it. There's a couple of saloons. I actually posted a saloon recently. It was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that's the the, uh, the photo that's standing out to me on your account recently is that pink hallway. Yep. So is that an old school? I assume. So I can tell you where that's at because okay. it's been de- demolished. Okay. And you don't have to edit this out at all. But um, that was in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and it was an old mental institution 
it's called Allentown State Hospital. And um, that pink hallway is actually pretty famous. A couple of movies have been shot there. And, um, man, I got lucky with that location. So, man, when was it built? It was, like, built in the late 1800s. And this is a really cool place. Um, they were very experimental with uh, mental with treatment. Like they basically painted all these rooms different colors to see how it affected the patients. And they would like put the patients in different rooms to see if it brightened their mood or darkened their mood or whatever. Like, so a lot of these rooms are amazing. Like one of them's like pastel purple. The next one's like orange. The next one's like black. The next one's pink, you know, like it, it was, it's a really unique place and it's massive, but unfortunately it just got demolished. Um, last fall and right before it got demolished they um they were using it for uh like i don't know the government was using for some usually when mental institutions like that shut down the government uses it for like some office buildings or like some storage storage exactly and uh, that's what they're using it for and there's always and the government's very quick about demolishing like when they shut a place down, there's only like a week window. Of course there is. You can get in. Yeah, they yeah, know. They know. <laughs> yeah, and they know that this is like a famous place that like in the urban exploration world, like there's so many people that have been waiting for like 15, 20 years for this place to close down so they can get their chance to like sneak inside and see it. And the crazy thing is I was in Pennsylvania at this time and I don't even know how – I found out about this place and I was like, Oh, it shut down. Cool. I'll go see it. I've never heard of this. Little did I know I was like walking into like one of the most like sought after destinations <laughs> in the urbex community. And, uh, and I walked right in, like there was a back door that was right. O- that was open. There was a security guard parked in the front, in the front of the uh, building and they're usually just hanging out in the car. They're not watching. Wa- they're watching TV. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're just on their phone or they're asleep or something. Yeah. So I walk in the building and I just like I'm in there for like eight hours exploring and just having a field date. Like this place is all marble inside. Like the the um, when you first walk in, I guess, what do you call it? The lobby is about four stories tall and you look straight up and it goes straight up to a tower that has a bell. Like it's, it's like unreal and it looks like you're in some kind of like, uh, like art deco, like place that was built in like the 1700s somewhere in Europe or something. Like it is, it is amazing. And I got all these photos and I found the pink room, which is like the, one of the most famous shots from that place. And I found the pink room right before I left and, uh, right before it got dark. So I got lucky enough to shoot it. Got home, then realized how lucky I was because the next day, five people were arrested for being there. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Have you ever been on an exploration and ran into another explorer? Yeah. Yeah. How's that? It's always cool. awkward? No, it's always cool. Um, Actually, that happened at Allentown. Okay. Uh, Did you know this person beforehand or no? Nope. I was in the basement and... Uh, I hear people talking and I was like, Oh God, security. Oh fuck. I turn a corner and it's a group of people. There's like three girls and two, two guys. And I was like, Oh, they're, these are explorers. And I turn the corner and they see me and they take off running cause they think I'm security. Yeah. Yeah. And but I was you, like, you should just start playing the security card. <laughs> I, I know. You know, what's funny is some explorers actually do that. They have like a recording best, yeah. of like, no, they have recorded. Well, I, I'm sure they do that too, but they have a recordings of uh, police chatter. That's like, great. On their phone. And yeah. they'll just like play it. If That's they great. hear someone coming around the corner, they'll just like play that sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it scares them off. But, and then they, of course they get the whole abandoned building to themselves. But, um, it may even scare security. <laughs> yeah. like, why is this noise coming out of this room? <laughs> I know. But uh, yeah, man, that it was cool. Uh, I waved them down, and we actually wound up exploring together for a couple of hours, and then we went went our own, you know, direction. But that actually happens quite often. Uh, I'm trying to think of. It happened here in Nashville recently. I was at a an abandoned house, and three people show up, and it's it's crazy because I think I know that who one of those persons was, maybe. Where is he from? He's from Nashville. Oh, no. Okay. So it's just these random people? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, 
it was cool. Like, cause the urban exploration community is actually pretty small. Everyone kind of knows who each other is. And, uh, I've ran into people where I'm just like, Oh, what's your Instagram? Oh dude, I follow you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always a cool experience. Like not realizing, you know, who these people are and then just finding them in an abandoned building in some random state somewhere. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What is uh what is one place that you haven't gotten to explore that you want to explore? Chernobyl. That would be amazing. Yeah. Very difficult to get to. Yeah. And time consuming to get to. I think I could do it. If you uh they have you watched the documentary that recently came yep. out? Um they were able to get film crews there. So I don't know. Yeah, well they got clearance though. And they had government, like, escort the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they weren't ever alone. Uh, there's some doc. Well, I don't, I don't want to call it documentaries, but there are urban explorers that document their, their you know, adventure sneaking inside. And watching those, I, man, I really think I could do it. Chernobyl is interesting because it's right now there's this window of opportunity that's not ever going to be there ever again, maybe within the next five years. Uh, they, it's just now safe enough where you can walk in and not be exposed to too much radiation. But if we wait another like five years, that whole place is going to be flattened and it's going to be looted or it's just going to be completely destroyed. And also, these buildings are collapsing in on themselves. Nature's it's just, just it, taking it's over. It's just smart to knock everything down and restart. Right, yeah. right. And if humans don't do it, nature's going to. And, like, we're just in this t- this perfect window of opportunity to, like, go inside. The only thing, um, the only dangerous place in that whole, on that whole location that you should not go to apparently is Red Forest. It's, like, where... The radiation is so bad it turned this forest red. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't go there. Yeah, you probably shouldn't <laughs> go there. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. But other than that, like, you can, man, you can do it. Um, and I've seen people do it. I've, I know people have done it. And I, it's like one of those, you got to do it. You know what I mean? That's like the pinnacle, that and this place called Baikonur. I'm sure you probably, probably have seen photos of this. Um, describe a, describe a photo. It is NASA. It's uh, space shuttles. That's cool. And this is in the Ukraine. Like abandoned space shuttles. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I think I've seen photos of it. Yeah. I, have you been to any of the the abandoned airports of like the full planes and everything yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of photos on my Instagram that I posted recently of some abandoned planes. And. Um, it's so crazy. I, I'm like this whole interview. I'm I'm having to like watch what I say. <laughs> watch yep. what. I, yep. uh, but yeah, recently, yeah, I did. Yeah, I don't know what the terminology is for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like burial sites, abandoned burial sites. Would you do that? What I do? Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Um, man, if it's abandoned, I want to see it. Yeah. If it's if there's like some history or if it's significant, yeah, I want to see it. Um. I don't even have like people are like, man, what's your favorite kind of abandoned place? Like, I I don't know if it's abandoned. It's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like I like it all. Um, yeah, totally. I would do that. Yeah. I just, I, I think there's, there's some of them in like Central America and stuff that may be really, really fascinating to see. Oh yeah. But you also have to worry about like death traps, like Indiana Jones type stuff. Yeah. Indiana Jones type stuff, parasites, yeah, snakes. Um, and they have really big snakes. They have, they have big <laughs> ones and really, really dangerous snakes. Uh, I'm not really afraid of snakes, but I think if I was in another country like that or like Thailand, man, I'd constantly be watching where I walk. Well, it's like even even here uh, in some of the locations you're going, there's going to be rattlesnakes, totally. especially throughout Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be careful with that, too, because all of a sudden you get bit and you're like, oh, I only have 20 minutes before the venom hits my heart. Right. Thankfully... Like, you're in the United States, you could call local EMTs and say, hey, like, I just have to deal with the consequences of trespassing, but maybe they can get to you in time. Worth it. Yeah. 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 I, it's totally worth it. I'll deal with those consequences. Yeah. Uh, I, man, I do think about that. I think about getting injured a lot. And that's honestly the big downside of exploring alone that really does bother me is there's a lot of times I'm in a place I'm like, man, if I just, 
if the, fall, if the floor Dude, falls. Exactly. If I fell through this floor, like, man, who would and that's be a, here? Like, to... That's a fear of mine. Because um, I, I had that happen at that mansion I talked to you about earlier. The floor literally caved in right when I entered the room. Thankfully, I wasn't right next to the floor. But, like, that can easily happen in some of these abandoned places. Yep. Yep. It happened to me at the uh, state penitentiary, actually. The first time I went. No, I'm no, sorry. The second time I went, I was with a, a good buddy of mine. And we were in the warden's house. And the further you go up in any abandoned building, the more dilapidated it's going to be. And more dangerous, yeah. Yeah, it's just exposed to water more. And um, so we climbed up maybe the third or fourth floor, went into an office um, office room, and I fell through the floor. Luckily, the beam went right between my legs. <laughs> uh, and that's what kept me from falling like 20 feet down because these, these are high ceilings underneath you. So that's what kept me from falling 20 feet down. And I left with a bunch of scrapes and bruises, but man. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I left from 20, 20, 20 feet falling. You, yeah, you could have either lost your life or broke both of your legs. Like it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, 100%. So after that, I was like, oh, there, you, it's really important to like know how buildings are constructed to go to these places. Like when you see a sagging floor, look where it's not sagging. Oh, that's where the beam is. You know what I mean? Like walk where, where the beams are. Like think about where, how it's constructed. If, if you think the floor is sketchy, walk along the wall, more than likely it's going to be more reinforced along the wall. It's going to be in the middle of the floor, you know, common sense stuff, but it, man, it really comes in handy. Um, and it could save your life. And I've, I've heard horror stories of people falling through floors and well, there was a, there was that, um, that uh, guy in Memphis last year, yep. he broke into, and this was, this wasn't an abandoned building. This was a full blown, like regular use building, but he was broke. this in Chicago. No, it was in Memphis. Okay. Uh, there was one in Chicago too. He fell through the, uh, the atrium of that building and landed like on that security guard. Um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a guy who is from Memphis and went to Chicago and died. That could be the same situation, but there was another one in Memphis. Like, uh, somebody died falling off of a building in Memphis. I think like two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Is it name is is his name is Wee Brawl? No, there was another. Okay. There was another person, but there, there there was the Chicago incident, and then there was another one in Memphis. Like, I, it had to be maybe two or three years ago. But he yeah. broke into an actual building that was being used, uh, and he fell off into this hotel lobby in Memphis. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, man, that's the thing. Like, I'm not, like, I think a lot of people think that I'm risky, but, man, I, I don't see myself risky as risky. Like, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That's uh, that's a little that's a little out there for me. Heights aren't my friend. And um, also just, like, skyscrapers, I don't get the allure. Like, I think it's, it'd be really cool to be on the top of one. But, like, also at the same time, I think I would just be shitting my pants the whole time. Well, so. especially, if it's a, especially if it's an abandoned skyscraper. Right. Like that, that's a different story than a one-story house right. or a two-story house. You're, you're hundreds of feet in the air. Right. And you fall, you're dead. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no surviving that. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that if someone gets injured or if they die, they did it to themselves. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it could have just been chance. But... I will say the, uh, the 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 chances of something like that significantly increase <laughs> when you decide to climb thirty stories up. Like I don't know, man. I just I couldn't do it. Yeah, there's a there's a group of Nashvilleians that uh, climb climb the cranes in town. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, first off, you guys are on an active construction site. Yep. Secondly. Like, that is very dangerous. Extremely. And uh, I heard of a story, I think this was last year, um, a guy was going into one of the cranes in downtown, and he fell, and he landed in the barbed wire uh, that was guarding the crane. And he literally almost got, like, stuck in the barbed wire. And I think they had to call the EMTs to get him out so he didn't, like, cut one of his arteries. Wow. Yeah. How, how far did he fall? It was, like, 10 feet. <sighs> yeah. I didn't hear about this. Um, I don't know who I heard it from, but Oof. I know somebody, I don't think he was from Nashville, uh, but he, he was with somebody in Nashville going up one of the cranes and he fell. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, man. Ah, no judgment. Cause obviously the urban exploration world is, it's a, it's risky, but like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, especially cause like. 
you don't know when the crane operator is going to be there. You don't know when it, there's just so much risk in those type of situations. Yeah, it's it's and I get it. Like it's like uh, it's like um, jumping from an airplane. You like you're looking for that. If you're looking for a rush and um, or like, I don't know, uh, what else? Smoking crack or whatever. It's like there's there is like there is an addictive nature and there's also a nature of like wanting more uh, of a high or a rush or like wanting that adrenaline pump pump. But um, I think I'm really thankful that my adrenaline pump has a ceiling. <laughs> Like there's just, I don't know. I don't, uh, couldn't, I don't, I've actually worried about that. Like, what if I get so bored of this? Am I going to like, just like resort to, am I going to want, am I going to like evolve to like doing shit like that? But uh, I think at that point I'd probably just find something else to do. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me here in studio. Where can people follow you on Instagram and your YouTube channel and your Patreon page? Abandoned Nashville. Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube. And what could people expect on YouTube? Uh, videos of my exploration. So just pers- point of view videos um, of me, like uh, entire walkthroughs of abandoned buildings. And um, it just kind of like a, a background inside of, of what I'm doing. Yeah, the, uh, the video I love the most is you walking through death row of the Tennessee State Penitentiary. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was an amazing experience for sure. Well, Jeremy, we'll have you back on the podcast sometime in the future after you explore some more. Well, thanks for having me, man. And that was Jeremy Abbott. You can learn more about Jeremy by following him on Instagram at Abandoned Nashville. It's one of the coolest Instagram accounts in town. Also, we have a link to his website, AbandonedNashvilleOfficial.com, where you can see more of these in-depth photos of what he was talking about with the Tennessee State Prison and some of the other places that we talked about here on today's show. Also, follow us on Instagram at xplr.nash. You can get some Nashville-themed merchandise, xplr.life. And joining me on Monday in studio for Music Monday is an artist known by Troy. It's a great interview, and also there's some live music. Thank you for listening to the Nashville Story. I'll see you on Monday. Love me.